Good morning, quarantine listeners. Today we have an interesting topic to discuss: sleep and dreams. This won't include all of the information you can ever find about dreams, of course, because I have a limited amount. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> because I have a limited amount of time to write this script. But here we go. Let's begin this episode with one minute of headlines to update you on the world around us. One. Los Angeles Times started off this Tuesday by stating Trump says he'll suspend immigration amid coronavirus. Two, Guardian News reported Donald Trump downplays historic oil price drop as a short-term problem. Three, earlier today, NBC News claimed a 420 pot party in NYC was busted after tip on social distancing violations. World News, one. CNN informed readers that U.S. monitoring intelligence that North Korean leader is in grave danger after surgery. Two, NBC News published 18 confirmed killed in Canada's deadliest mass shooting, but officials expect to discover more victims. Three, Fox News discussed how cruises that originally departed in January finally dock. Passengers haven't touched dry land in weeks. Business News, one. How the pandemic is killing the death business, claimed Forbes. Sports news: One, according to New York Post, Yankees fan, Mets fan, team up to sue MLB over coronavirus canceled games. Other news, and finally, Fox News informed us that Therapy Dog delivers care packages to nurses during the coronavirus outbreak. Now, let's jump into this episode with some bullets. So first, we're going to talk about the phases of sleep. According to WebMD, there are three phases of non-REM sleep, which means non-rapid eye movement. It states stage one: your eyes are closed, but it's easy to wake you up. This phase may last for five to ten minutes. Stage two: you are in light sleep. Your heart rate slows and your body temperature drops. Your body is getting ready for deep sleep. And then stage three: this is the deep sleep stage. It's harder to rouse you during this stage, and if someone woke you up, it would feel, you would feel disoriented for a few minutes.、Um, and then phases of sleep REM. So this is the rapid eye movement part. WebMD also discusses when REM sleep cycles occur and what happens then. Usually, REM sleep happens 90 minutes after you fall asleep. The first period of REM typically lasts 10 minutes. Each of your later REM stages gets longer, and the final one may last up to an hour. Your heart rate and breathing quickens. You can have intense dreams during REM sleep since your brain is more active. Babies can spend up to 50% of their sleep in the REM stage, compared to only about 20% for adults. So then, vocab.、Uh, there's REM, which means rapid eye movement again. NREM means non-rapid eye movement. And then dream, according to Google Dictionary, is a series of thoughts, images, and sensations occurring in a person's mind during sleep. Then there's lucid dreams. A lucid dream is a dream during which the dreamer is aware that they are dreaming. During a lucid dream, the dreamer may gain some amount of control over the dream characters, narrative, and environment. However, this is not actually necessary for a dream to be described as lucid. That is a quote from Wikipedia. Uh, so there apparently are five different types of dreams according to the world of lucid dreaming. I'm gonna read quotes from this website to explain them, and I didn't want to paraphrase them, so here we go.、Uh, so the first of which is called daydreams, which I hope you heard of. 
Um, studies reveal that the average person daydreams for a whopping 70 to 120 minutes of their waking day. As with all types of dreams, you enter a kind of hypnotic trance and allow your unconscious thoughts to rise to the surface. During daydreams, you are semi-awake, clearly not asleep, but not fully checked in with reality either. A daydream starts with a compelling thought, memory, or fantasy, and then your imagination runs away. The longer you daydream, the deeper you become immersed in your private fantasy land. It's been suggested that people who daydream a lot find it easier to lucid dream. That's because daydreaming is like practicing lucid dreaming while you're awake, observing imagery of your mind's eye and directing the course of your fantasy. In fact, visual visualization is one of the tenets of lucid dreaming practice. Uh, then there's normal dreams. These are your bog standard dreams where you have no idea you're dreaming until you wake up. In a typical dream, you could be doing a rap duet with a pope and think nothing of it. You accept your dream reality as it is. Everybody has normal dreams and every single night. These dreams arise mostly out of REM sleep and are essential to our survival. In fact, we would eventually die without them. Assuming you get eight hours of shut-eye, you will dream for about 100 minutes, with longer and more vivid dreams occurring at the end of your sleep. Uh, then there's also lucid dreams, which we've already kind of discussed, but we'll go in a little bit more depth. This website is strongly uh, also ad advertising lucid dreams, so this might be a bit biased, but here's the quote. Lucid dreams are the best type of dreams, hands down. They are richly immersive, and you can guide them into infinite and beautiful words of your worlds of your choosing. Lucid dreaming is the ultimate freedom. What defines a lucid dream? It's any dream in which, while physically asleep, you know you're all you also know that you're dreaming and or can control the dream or direct your awareness. False awakenings. You may wake up as normal and plod into the bathroom, get dressed, eat breakfast, and you maybe even get halfway to work before you realize, oh my god, I am still dreaming, and then you wake up. False awakenings are basically very vivid types of dreams. Like any normal dream, you assume you're awake, and you certainly don't know you're dreaming. If you do, you're already lucid. It begins in your bedroom, or the last place you went to sleep, or even a different bed altogether. Your dream that you've woken up for real, and somehow your brain mimics every detail of the room exactly as it should be. Unless you question your reality, remember that reality check thing I mentioned earlier, you don't stand a chance. It usually takes something quite obvious to shock you out of these types of dreams. Maybe you look in the bathroom mirror and see yourself 20 years from now. Or maybe you're driving down the road and realize there are no other cars on the road. And then the last type of dream is a nightmare, which you definitely had. In the Western world, nightmares are any normal dreams with a very scary twist. In nightmares, you don't know you're dreaming. So the unconscious mind processes everything as if it were really happening. Some nightmares can be so vivid that the sensory system is triggered and you can feel certain types of pain. It can be very unnerving. According to dream analysis, being chased in a nightmare represents our evolutionary fear of being hunted. Children, who arguably feel more vulnerable than most adults, report this type of dream the most. Studies show that nightmares are usually caused by sickness, stress, trauma, and drugs or alcohol. So thank you for all of those quotes from the world of lucid dreaming. So you might be wondering, how do you lucid dream? Because, I mean, it does sound kind of cool. Um, sometimes you lucid dream on accident without realizing it, which I have done before. But many people enjoy lucid dreaming and often intentionally do it. Here are some tips that I read on various websites on how to do this. Reality checks, which is what they discussed on the website. I never actually quoted that earlier, though. Think about whether or not the dream is realistic. Two, think about how I'm dreaming. 
like question, am I dreaming? And, you know, that automatically will kind of help you. Look for your hands because they often aren't present in dreams. And then look for a clock. Those are also, you don't see those in dreams. And then one thing I've read is that you can't actually read in a dream because it's on like a different type of the brain, different part of the brain. So your brain can't process both of those things at the same time. So that's why I don't think there are clocks because you wouldn't be able to read the time and then there's no books. So why do we dream? Well, there are no definitive answers for why we dream, but there are some theories that Helpline discusses in an article. Here are um, some of the theories. Dreams are therapists, or dreams exercise your fight, flight, or freeze response. Maybe dreams are a muse, and dreams are memory aids. I particularly like the theory that dreams are therapists. At night, people seem more emotional, and oftentimes dreams reflect the emotions they feel or are trying to reconcile with those emotions. And then a question that I, I've always really wondered because I've heard so many different things that everybody's told me. How long is a typical dream? Wikipedia states, at times, dreams may occur during other stages of sleep. However, these dreams tend to be much less vivid or memorable. The length of a dream can vary. They can last for a few seconds or approximately 20 to 30 minutes. People are more likely to remember the dream if they are awakened during the REM phase. That's a quote from Wikipedia again. <clears throat> Why don't we always remember our dreams? Scientific American states, perhaps the most compelling explanation of, is the absence of the hormone norepinephrine in the cerebral cortex, a brain region that plays a key role in memory, thought, language, or consciousness. A study published in 2002 in the American Journal of Psychiatric, Psychiatry, I think that's right, maybe I'm putting the emphasis at the wrong part, but uh, something like that, supports the theory that the presence of norepinephrine enhances memory in humans, although its role in learning and recall remains controversial. A lack of norepinephrine, however, does not completely explain why we forget dreams so easily. Recent research suggests that dreaming lies on a continuum with other forms of mental functioning, which are all characterized by the activity in the cerebral cortex. Uh, so again, on the one side of this continuum is concentrated, focused thought. Dreaming and mind-wandering lie on the other, with some overlap among the types. The dreaming reverie end involves some of the most creative and far-out material. This type of less consciously directed thinking, however, is not easy to remember. Can you recall where your mind wandered while you were brushing your teeth this morning? In general, we are not very good at forgetting non- we are we are very good at forgetting non-essentials. In fact, many of our thoughts just not just those we have while dreaming are lost. We tend to recall only things that we think about often that have emotional significance, a problem, a date, or a meeting. Mulling over important thoughts activates our dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, a brain region that facilitates memory. How might we remember our dreams? So as previously mentioned, our dream recall is typically pretty weak. So how can we improve it? How stuff works has multiple ideas, the first of which is the most common, to keep a dream journal. This involves leaving a notebook and a pencil next to your bed and writing about the dreams. Here is a direct quote from it. Uh, when I say it, I mean how stuff works. When you go to bed, tell yourself you will remember our dreams. And then there's an author's note that says, In researching this article, I found that thinking about dreams before I fell asleep actually made me remember having them. So this step did work in my experience. Set your alarm to go off every hour and a half so you'll wake up around the times that you leave REM sleep. 
that's when you're most likely to remember your dreams. Honestly, I don't think it's worth it, but up to you. Anywho, uh, or drink a lot of water when you go to bed to ensure you have to wake up at least once in the middle of the night. Try to wake up slowly to remain within the mood of your last dream. Alright, we're going to take a quick break. Have you been having different dreams during this stressful time? I know my family and I have. Recently, I've had very vivid dreams that are often either realistic, completely weird, or overall stressful. I believe that this is my brain's way of taking the unconscious stress and applying it to my most emotional time. For example, the other day I had a dream where I was at school and there was a shooting. Another dream I had was I was kidnapped. Although none of these have been relevant to the coronavirus pandemic, they still represented some of the stress I have been feeling. What do professionals say about this? Well, I'm going to only be using quotes from National Geographic because there was like two articles on this and National Geographic is clearly very, uh, what's the word? Like you can trust it. Reliable. There, there's the word. Alright, so, but National Geographic researched this recently and published an article entitled, The Pandemic is Giving People Vivid, Unusual Dreams. Here's why. So, I'm just going to combine a whole bunch of clips from this article, because again, I do not want to paraphrase this. Here we go. With hun- Oh, and I'm sorry, please pardon my butchering of words. With hundreds of millions of people sheltering at home during the coronavirus pandemic, some dream experts believe that withdrawal from our usual environments and daily stimuli has left dreamers with a dearth of inspiration, forcing our subconscious minds to draw more heavily on themes from our past. In Weller's case, his longtime obsession with comics came together for his constant scrolling through political posts on Twitter to concoct a surreal scene that he interpreted as a commentary on the world's economic anxieties. We, we normally sleep, uh, sorry, we normally use REM sleep and dreams to handle intense emotions, particularly negative emotions, says Patrick McNara. That's it. An associate professor of neurology at Boston University School of Medicine, who is an expert in dreams. Obviously, this pandemic is producing a lot of stress and anxiety. During our dream states, stress sends the brain on a trip. The neurobiological signals and reactions that produce dreams are similar to those triggered by psychedelic drugs, according to McNamara. Psychedelics activate nerve receptors called serotonin 5-HT2A, which then turn... Uh, which then turn off a part of the brain called the dorsal prefrontal cortex. The result is known as emotional disinhibition, a state in which emotions flood the consciousness, especially during the rapid eye movement, REM, stage of sleep, which we typically dream. Though these processes happen nightly, most people don't typically remember their dreams. Living through the coronavirus pandemic might be changing that due to heightened isolation and stress, influencing the context of dreams and allowing some dreamers to remember more of them. For one, anxiety and lack of activity decrease sleep quality. Frequent awakenings, also called parasomnias, are associated with increased dream recall. Latent emotions and memories from the previous day can also influence the content of dreams and one's emotional response within the dream itself. People closer to the pandemic threat, healthcare workers, those living in epicenters, and those with affected family members are more likely to experience outbreak-influenced dreams. According to an ongoing study the, uh, the Lyon Neuroscience Research Center in France initiated in March, the coronavirus pandemic has caused a 35% increase in dream recall among participants, with respondents reporting 15% more negative dreams than usual. A different study promoted uh, by 
Associazione Italiana di Medicina del Sono, the Italian Association of Sleep Medicine, is analyzing the dreams of Italians confined during the outbreak. Many of the subjects are experiencing nightmares and parasomnias in line with symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. It might seem obvious, but Finnish readers have scientifically backed up the notion that peace of mind leads to a positive dream effect, wherein dreamers feel good about what is happening in their dreams. Anxiety, by contrast, is related to negative dream effect, the data shows, which results in dreams that are frightening or otherwise upsetting. Deirdre Barrett, assistant professor of psychology at Harvard University and author of the Committee of Sleep, has collected and analyzed dreams from survivors of traumatic events, including the September 11 World Trade Center attacks. Barrett has found that dreams in which people process traumas tend to follow two patterns. They either directly reference or reenact a version of the trauma event, or the dreams are fantastical, with symbolic elements standing in for the trauma. Except for the dreams of healthcare workers, we don't see vivid visual imagery of people struggling to breathe in the ventilator, Vera says. The virus is invisible, and I think that's why it's transformed into so many different things. For those seeking to wrest some control over bad dreams, focusing on the bizarre may help, says Ruby, the researcher from Lion. Changing the context, the laws of physics, and so on may change the perspective and propose another angle, a shift in the understanding, which may help to change or play down emotion. So those are all the quotes from National Geographic. Those are the pieces I chose to take from that article. I think I learned a lot from that. Reframing the mindset is definitely something that needs to be the first step to well-being. That is the end of today's episode. I hope you learned a lot about sleep or were simply entertained for a little while. If you like this podcast, please support us with monthly donations. It helps us get new equipment and improves our overall episodes. After our first few listeners chipped in, I have a microphone from Amazon on the way, and the sound quality should be improving very soon. Every penny counts. Another way to help us out is writing us a review. Almost every streaming platform we are on allows you to review our podcast, and it's really needed for us. Even simply saying, I've been listening to this, or hearting it on Spotify, or subscribing, that is strongly appreciated. So join us on Thursday for an episode that has a really long name. Here we go. The Wonder of the Galapagos Islands and Charles Darwin's Theory of Evolution featuring my brother, Andrew. If you have any questions, you can send us voice messages on our website. Go follow us on our socials at quarantine.pod on Instagram and at quarantinep, capital Q and P, again, on Twitter to get the newest information. You can also find us on Facebook by searching quarantine-teen, because for some reason I can't make a username. Subscribe to our mailing list by making an account on our website, which is linked in the description. Also, if you were interested in supporting us with a donation, the website will be linked in the show notes, but if you aren't sure how to access it, I will... Uh, insert a clip here in just a minute of me reading the domain. Thank you so much for listening and join us on Thursday. Okay, really quick, I pulled the domain. It is anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash quarantine pod. So Q-U-A-R a-N-T-E-E-N pod, P-O-D, there's no period or anything in between those, slash support. So that is the domain for supporting us. Again, every penny counts and we really appreciate it. So thank you so much.
A special thanks to Anchor for sponsoring the podcast, specifically this episode, and Wix for the amazing website creation tools. Also, thank you to our many streaming platforms, and I recently distributed Quarantine to many more, so deep breath and sorry if I butcher the name. All Top, Apple Podcasts, Audio Burst, Anchor, Breaker, Bullhorn, Castbox, Deezer, Fid, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Listen Notes, Mahalan, or maybe that's Majalin, I don't know, Player FM, Plex, Podcasts, Podbean, Podchaser, Radio Public, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, and Stitcher, and soon there will be even more. Have a great day.